Thanks, Tim. Just before our Bible reading, I just wanted to introduce it, really. And uh, so I'd like to ask you to make a list. Uh, It's private and personal, so um, uh, no one else is going to see this. You might want to make it in your mind, or you might want to write it down. If you're going to write it down, I suggest you just use initials, and it's a list of people. So first of all, I'd like on your list, I'd like you to uh, think of someone who persecutes you. They could even be here, but think of someone who persecutes you. Next, um, someone who is rejoicing this morning. But to be honest, you find that really hard. Maybe they're rejoicing in success, or perhaps they're pregnant, or maybe they're getting married, or they've got a new job, or the grandchildren are pregnant or whatever, Um, but someone who is rejoicing, but you find that really hard. Next, someone who mourns, maybe because they've lost a loved one, or maybe they're mourning because they've just retired and they've lost their job, or maybe there's a mourning through a lack of or loss of health or mobility. We can mourn in all sorts of ways. Next, I'd like you to think of someone who grates with you. Frankly, they just irritate you. Perhaps it's just their voice, totally irrational, but they just irritate you. Next, someone here today who uh, you don't want to talk to for long and hope that they won't corner you at the end of the service. And then uh, finally, the names of two or three people who you think you're better than they are. Maybe you feel that you're more capable, you're better looking, you're fitter, or lighter, or better qualified, or you're nicer than they are, or you're more socially adept. Just think of uh, a couple of people on that front as well. Well, we're going to have our reading now. It's uh, Romans chapter 12. Philip's going to read for us. We would encourage you to take the Maroon Bibles from the back of the chairs and turn to page 1139 where you'll find Romans chapter 12. So Romans chapter 12 and we're reading from verse 14 on page 1139 of the, of the Bibles in the back of the chairs. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Uh, Thank you, Philip. Let's pray and ask God as we seek to understand and also to put these words from God into practice. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would open our hearts this morning to your word, to yourself. And we pray that you'd help us to uh, do what you tell us here. I guess sometimes, in some cases, that's going to be really difficult. Uh, For all of us, we'll find some of these more difficult than others. We pray you'd help us to be your obedient children today, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, just three verses then, uh, Romans chapter 12, 14, 15, and 16, and about uh, relationships. Three verses which deeply challenge the way that we relate to people, which deeply challenge the way we relate to those uh, mental 
lists that we made earlier on. Now, naturally, we will tend to, to curse those who persecute us, or at least to want to get our own back, or to think, say, or act in bad and negative ways towards those who persecute us. The Word of God says here, now's the time to, per- to bless them and not to persecute them. Naturally, we find it hard to rejoice with those who rejoice, don't we? And we rather prefer to ignore and avoid those who mourn. Now, we're going to positively join in the rejoicing of those who rejoice, however hard that may be, and we're going to mourn alongside those who mourn. Naturally, we'll tend to accentuate our differences with others. And harmony within a church, and this is really talking about relationships within a church, uh, is kind of hard to maintain sometimes, isn't it? Now we're told to live in harmony with each other, and that's a long-term harmony that he's talking about here. Naturally, we're proud and conceited, and we don't bother talking to those who are less capable than we are. We prefer to talk to our friends. And they're all exactly the same as us in many ways, aren't they? Now we're going to go out of our way to get alongside people who are completely different, and perhaps especially those who are of a low position. We're going to turn our relationships upside down. So as we look at uh, Romans 12:14 to 16, we're talking about upside down, or if you like, downside up relationships. And in fact, the whole of Romans 12 is about relationships. It begins in verses 1 and 2 about our relationship with God. It goes on, verses 3 to 8, about our relationship, if you like, with ourselves. And then verses 9 to 16, our relationships with one another, mainly here. It's mainly talking about our relationships with one another in church. And it's all very well saying, well, you know, you've got to be nice to each other, get on with each other, and have good relationships with those in church. But um, if we look at these verses, three verses here, just those three verses, there is no mention there of, uh, there is no mention there of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But when we, uh, when we see that we're talking here about uh, chapter 12, the whole chapter, it begins with a therefore. Chapter 12 and verse 1 in Romans begins with a therefore, and it's saying, in, you've read Romans 1 to 11. We've preached through Romans 1 to 11 here. We've seen the gospel here. We know what this is talking about. And it says, therefore, we need to adjust our relationships in the light of the gospel. So let's not just take this out of context completely. It's saying the reason we're going to live in this way is because of the gospel that he's been explaining in detail and going through so carefully for us in these first 11 chapters. Because of the gospel, this is how we want to live. And in fact, this is how Jesus lived and how his disciples, uh, if we're disciples of his, that's how we want to live. This is how Jesus wants us to live. And more than that, when you look at verses 14 and 15, it gets more intense because those two verses, those are commands. They're a bit kind of lower level, the stuff that's just before that. And verse 15 seems to be a bit lower level because of, in the original. But actually verses 14 and 15 here, they are in your face, 
commands of God about how he wants us to be living. There is not an option about this. This is serious. He's saying, if we're going to have these downside-up relationships, if we're going to live life the way God wants us to live as his people, with the people we're sitting next door to and in front of and behind this morning, then actually this is a serious bit. Okay? There are four areas, downside-up relationships, characterized by those four areas on our service sheets. And the first one of those is good will. Downside up relationships characterized, first of all, by good will. That's verse 14. Now, some people say this uh, is really talking about people outside of church. Well, I guess it will include that, but let's not fool ourselves. It is possible, and I have experienced in church I've been involved with, um, uh, actually persecution from people with inside the church. It does happen. It could be happening today. Amongst one another here. It can happen. Um, uh, so let's not be say, well, obviously it's talking about people, but uh, other from outside the church or other places and so on. It can happen, and that can be particularly unpleasant. Um, and, of course, when it happens, we're, whoever we're persecuted by, our natural reaction is going to be to, to curse them. In other words, to, to, to think ill will towards people, to speak ill will about people, and maybe to do ill will against people. You see here, blessing and cursing are opposites. To bless is literally to ask God to bless, to call down God's blessing on those who persecute you. I don't know who you put in your mental list as someone who persecutes you. But actually, we need to, our first reaction for them must be to be saying, God, would you please, Lord, bless them. So this is more than just soaking up the injustice, the humiliation, the insults, the pain. It's more than just being a sponge as these things soak up into our being. And they, they, do, they get there and they stay there, don't they, when we're being persecuted. And this is more than just no retaliation and saying that we forgive them. This is actively seeking their good. And here, bless those who persecute you. And by the way... Just in case you didn't get it, he says here, bless and do not curse. So he, he really, he's really pushing that down, isn't he? He's saying, You've got, let's be clear about this. Now sometimes, blessing can seem quite shallow, can't it? Even when it isn't. Uh, George and Nelu were here a couple of weeks back. Um, do pray uh, for Nelu's uh, family. His mum died on Friday evening. I know she hadn't been very well. Had a big stroke, hadn't she? Uh, So uh, do pray for the family. And uh, the first time I was out there uh, visiting them, there was a, a, I think it was a 10-year anniversary of Maranatha Ministries that they're involved with. And we got together uh, over in in a local town with, and there were various other visiting people, including people from the United States and their pastor. Now, uh, he turned up, he was, he was extraordinary. He was wearing a white suit. He had very white teeth, uh, perfect white teeth, a moustache, hair perfectly, not a hair out of place, and a terrific smile. And I have to say, he looked just like your archetypal tele-evangelist from the 1980s. Amazing. And he came up to me, he saw me across the church where we were, and he came up to me, smiling that smile all the way, put his hand out towards me, and he said, in a deep, deep South accent, he said, his first words to me were, God bless you, Pastor Phil. 
I have to say, I didn't know quite how to respond. Like, do you, what, do you, what do you say when someone says that to you? I, I thought, um, do I say thank you? Um, do I say, um, how do you do? Um, uh, do you say, uh, God bless you, brother, in return, or whatever? And I think I said something vaguely appropriate. And uh, anyway, actually, it was not the superficial stuff that you get with a US televangelist, or any televangelist. Um, it was not, he, he was genuine. And as we got talking, and he was wanting to find out about the church, and so on, and we had another chat at the end, and, it, and, and so on, he was absolutely genuine. And his wishing... And his, 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 his prayer for us, for me and for us and our church, is that we would be blessed by God. A positive thing. Now, I hadn't been persecuting him, as far as I'm aware, and, uh, uh, but actually that was his genuine thing that he wanted for us. He wanted God's blessings pour out, poured out on me and on our church family. I thank God for that, Pastor. So, uh, uh, so that's the first thing here. Good will. Genuine good will. We will be tempted to curse, to want to wish, to think, to, to, uh, uh, to, to, to speak and to uh, work towards bad things for other people. But actually saying, no, positively, bless them. Pray for God's blessing and you go out of your way to bring blessing into their life. That's a changed relationship. If there is someone here you've got trouble with, you need to actively go out of your way to do stuff for them. Pray for them and do stuff for them. Uh, Maybe you could do that today. Sometimes these things get uh, thrown back in your face. Like uh, a little note I got once, thanks for flowers, but don't do that again. I threw them away. But we keep on going. We'll keep on going. Because we're going to bless people. We're going to bless one another. We're going to bless those who we don't get on with. And we're going to bless those who even persecute us. Second thing here, good, grow, downside up relationships characterized by sympathy. Now, uh, the commands uh, carry on here in verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. That's very strong. Um, someone, um, friend, family rejoicing. And naturally, perhaps we're jealous of their success or resentful or ang- angry. You know, maybe, uh, maybe someone else you know, you get your A-level results next month and, uh, uh, and they do ridiculously well, all A-stars and so on. You didn't quite do that. Or maybe that's the case for your children or your grandchildren and uh, uh, compare them and their friends and so on. And, uh, or, uh, you know, you know someone who got to a top uni and you didn't, or they landed a top job and you didn't quite manage that. Or they're in a relationship and it's going really well and you're really struggling with yours and loads of reasons. And uh, you hate it, to be honest. You hate their success. And you find it really struggling to rejoice with those who rejoice. You know, they're fit and healthy in their 90s and you're, you're in your 70s and every bit of your anatomy is aching this morning uh, and so on. Now, you know you shouldn't feel like that um, over an exam or a job or someone else's boyfriend or girlfriend or someone else's health and so on. But we, we do and it's hard, isn't it? And then someone in the church family dies. And it's a bit awkward when their family <clears throat> come to church and, uh, oh dear, they're sitting next door to me this morning. And what do I do? Well, at the end of the service, you slip out quickly because it's easier just to do that and uh, uh, ignore them, frankly. It's probably harder to rejoice with those who rejoice, to feel genuine pleasure with those who rejoice and no envy at all. It's hard, isn't it? But love is never aloof 
Love identifies with people. Love turns up at their wedding service. Love goes to the funeral to support the family members. Love never puts me first. Love combines actions and feelings, and we do the actions where our heart may not be quite there. But we'll still get involved. And as we do so, our feelings begin to change, and we become more like what we should be. We need to stop and think and pray and seek to understand and try to inhabit the inner world of the one who is rejoicing, of the one who is mourning this morning. See, sympathy actually means feeling the same. That can be a real struggle, can't it? And that's what this is talking about. It's feeling the same. Maybe you really struggle that they're having a baby and you can't or never could. And it's hard. But send them a card when the baby's born. Come to their baptism or their thanksgiving. Someone else just announces their engagement and you find that hard. Send them a card. Think of a thoughtful present and take it round. Help out at their wedding, if you're helping with the catering or whatever. Do the actions and the feelings will gradually change too. And mourn with those who mourn. Robin Pierce's funeral. It's on Friday, one o'clock. Tim, it's here, isn't it? It's actually here, on the blue carpet here. Can you be here on Friday to mourn with those who mourn, with Robin's family, with his friends here? Maybe you never spoke to Robin. Maybe he's only a name. But could you be here? Maybe we'll have to move down into the body of the church. But do be here and mourn with those who mourn. Downside up relationships, characterized by goodwill, by sympathy, and then third, by harmony. Um, Now, as we look here in verse 16, it says, live in harmony with one another. Now, the thing about harmony, musically harmony, is you're not singing the same notes, are you? Uh, We just had a a week away with uh, family. And uh, our Ben is uh, loves singing harmonies, so there was quite a lot of singing going on, and uh, and he would be uh, uh, just doing harmonies all the time. It was lovely. So uh, um, harmony is not being exactly the same, but where two go together and you build it up, or a whole group of people get together, and the uh, the the end result is greater than the sum of the parts. So harmony here is people who are different, different backgrounds, different educations maybe, different skills, different preferences, but who are of one mind. Literally, this is saying, um, think the same thing towards one another. Or one of the older versions of the Bible, live in agreement with one another. Be of the same mind, united, pulling in the same direction. Now, we will naturally be tempted to live out of harmony. So if someone disagrees, 
will naturally be tempted, uh, if they're doing something that we don't like, to tell someone else that we don't like it. Like our choice of songs, or the way the music's played, for instance, following a musical theme. Um, That's not the most helpful thing, is it? Sometimes it's a good thing to keep your mouth shut. Sometimes, actually, if you're going to open your mouth, the person you need to go and talk to is the person you're struggling with not to talk to someone else about that first. And you see, as we do this with our minds, it's two-way. Have you noticed here? When Ray Evans was here three weeks ago, is it three weeks or four weeks now, the beginning of the month, he said there are 59 one-anothers in the New Testament. Did you spot the one in verse 16? Live in harmony with one another. Now, harmony depends on all of us. Yeah, if you're... Musically again, if one person is singing the wrong note in a choir, those who are particularly musically adept notice, don't they? Or an, an instrument in an orchestra, someone plays the wrong thing, and you hear it, don't you? So it depends on all of us. And we don't have to be the same. That's fine. We can have different preferences, different things that we we like and so on. That's absolutely fine. Um, But harmony means we do have to live in harmony. We have to have a fundamental agreement uh, about convictions and concerns and so on. For instance, I just wrote down a quick list. We want to be in agreement here, don't we, about the fact that God is our creator that life is sacred, that we have rebelled against our Creator, that God calls us back to himself, that God sent Jesus to die for us because he loves us so much, so, so much, that Jesus was raised from from the dead and is alive today, that Jesus will return one day as judge and Lord of all, that uh, the Bible is the word of God, living and active. It is our touchstone for what we believe. And Christians have a renewed mind, as we saw in verse 1. And we share the same basic, or verse 2 it was, that we share the same basic convictions and concerns uh, like those I've just mentioned. And if we disagree over peripheral, less important things, that's okay. But we can still be in harmony with each other. It's fine for Christians to differ on things, providing they're not fundamentals. And where we differ on peripheral matters... Providing we agree on the eternal issues, we can live in harmony. Different notes, same key. Downside up relationships, characterized by goodwill, by sympathy, by harmony. And the fourth one, characterized by humility. Um, Hudson Taylor was traveling to China while he was a great missionary. And uh, actually heard his call to China on the beach here in Brighton, didn't he? And uh, he was traveling to China with a young missionary. He wasn't so used to roughing it. And the first night, the young missionary put his boots outside the bedroom door, forgetting that there weren't any servants to polish them. And uh, uh, however, when he opened his door in the morning, he found that they had been cleaned and polished. And the one who did it was Hudson Taylor. Humility builds relationships. Pride wrecks them. And few things wreck relationships like pride. So the end of verse 16, he says, Do not be proud, 
but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not be proud. Don't be conceited. Now, it's a bit of an old-fashioned word, but these verse, this verse, these two sentences here, talk about snobbery. A very old-fashioned word. We hardly use it these days. But that's an obsession with our status, with our position. An obsession with our background, our, even our education, our career, the people you know, which road you live in, which side of Hove Park you live, the company you keep, the company you work for, the car you drive, and so on. Now, all these things have a hierarchy. So in the world of electric cars, for instance, I guess if you have one, you might be tempted to look down on those who don't. And if you have a Tesla, you look down on everyone, apparently. Now, if you have a four-bedroomed house, I guess you could be tempted to look down on those who have a three-bedroomed house. Uh, and the temptation is uh, to separate yourself from those you look down on. Look at this. Be willing to associate with people of low position. A true Christian is genuinely humble and is not given to thinking high things about themselves. Genuinely humble because we stand amazed at the Saviour who gave himself for us. So we stand amazed at the Saviour who died for us. Our last song, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus and Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. That's humility. That is the opposite of pride. So don't be thinking about high things about yourself. And it starts with the mind. Jesus spent his time with social rejects. He calls us to do the same. This people of low position. And uh, uh, the verb there is literally to be led away with or to be carried off with. To be carried off with people of a lower position than you. The poor. The young. Children. That lovely guy who does the trolleys in the Waitrose car park. The mentally ill. The unemployed, the homeless, the office cleaner, the elderly, the disabled. Don't be proud and conceited. Let's get down alongside them. Let's love them. Let's see them as more important than we are. Let's, more than that, treasure them within our church family. I can't remember whether I've, not in my notes, but I can't remember whether I've said that I heard just fairly recently of a church where they have two kind of really big comfy chairs at the front in their church building. One was the oldest man, the other was the oldest woman because they were treasured by that church family. Pray for those who you might otherwise look down on. Spend time with them. Rejoice with them. Mourn with them. Have them round. Take them out for a meal. Take them down to the pub. Visit their allotment. See their family. Treasure them. 
love them, create relationships with them. And you know something? Well, all these things that we've read here and seen here this morning, you can begin right after our last hymn, because they're sitting right in front of you. So, let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us to have, to be building, to be developing more of these upside-down relationships. We pray, Father, that you would help us to be people who, in our relationships with each other, we can just see goodwill and sympathy and harmony and humility. Please, Lord, help us to live out your word to do that this week. We pray for Jesus' sake. Amen.